Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I just want to thank you wherever you are for watching or listening on YouTube or any of the major podcasting platforms. And I just want to make sure that you take a moment to subscribe to make sure that you never miss any of our weekly content that we put out. As always, if there's anything that you want us to be tackling or questions or comments that you have, please let me know. My email address is listed in the description of the episode. So take a look at that and let me know if you have anything that you'd like us to tackle. Right now, we're in the midst of a series on spiritual disciplines, and to look into that, we're utilizing uh, the Spiritual Disciplines Companion by Jan Johnson, and I think this is a really wonderful resource to help us delve into a variety of spiritual disciplines. And the way she talks about spiritual disciplines is simply that they're ways of connecting with God. And I also appreciate what Henry Nowen says about spiritual disciplines, and really a lot of things can be spiritual disciplines, but Henry Nowen writes that a spiritual discipline, anything that helps us practice how to become attentive to that small voice and be willing to respond when we hear it. So it's really just about tuning ourselves to be able to hear the voice of God in the noise of everyday life, which gets very noisy and very chaotic and very hectic. So today we're going to go into section four of this book, um, which is all about study and meditation of the Bible. The Bible is God's word to us, and so it is important that we spend time studying and meditating upon God's word. As we get into it, it's important to make the distinction between what studying is and what meditating is, um, because they can kind of be different things when looking at uh, reading the Bible. So Jan Johnson writes that Bible study is an excellent way of setting oneself up for meditation. So study leads to and precedes meditation, because through it, you come to understand the main point of Scripture. Still, study does not uh, rule meditation. God may help you choose an obscure word in the passage to ponder or point out a sideline character for you to identify with. Each time you meditate on a passage, it's likely to be different because you will be in a different set of circumstances. She also kind of has a little chart and where she kind of breaks down and kind of contrasts the two. And so she shows that in the study portion of the spiritual discipline, you dissect the text, you ask questions about the text, and you read and compare and uh, facts and new ways of applying facts. So it's really focused on understanding just what the text says in the Bible. Whereas with meditation, you spend time savoring the text and entering into it imagining what it would be like for you to be in that place and in that time. Sometimes you let the question ask tech, uh, sometimes you let the text ask questions of you and say, wow, this, this text is really making me question myself and say, hey, do I need to be rethinking that part of my life? How can I be better loving my neighbor? How can I be a part of the local church? And also in the meditation method, you read in order to let God speak to you in light of the facts already absorbed. So again, study and meditation are both important parts of delving into God's word. 
The main difference is that um, study is more the understanding of it and meditation is more just sitting with it and letting it change you. So as we do that, she has a few things that she recommends doing um, when looking at um, the various methods of study and meditation. So the first is simply immersing yourself in God's thoughts. Now that may seem really daunting because how, do, how are we supposed to know what God is thinking? That seems very high and lofty, and certainly it is. But we have God's word and that helps us really immerse ourselves in God's thoughts. So Bible study, she writes, involves more than examination of facts. It's a communication of who God is and an immersion into God's counsel for living wisely. Each day as we read God's word, God imparts to us a little more of what we need to know. We can look forward to hearing from God every day as we read scripture. And the biblical example she gives of that is from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. And some of you may recognize this. This is a passage often known as Shema in the Hebrew. Um, it's just a really key passage that is all about how immersed the original Israelite audience was supposed to be in God's word. And so I'm just going to read that passage again. It's Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in a land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this passage is really just addressing how deeply we need to be immersed in God's Word. It should be a subject of discussion in our homes when we're sitting around with our families, with our children, or with our roommates. Um, if we live alone, as I do, it's something that I can be thinking about and just sitting there thinking about, hey, what is God's Word saying to me today? This is how frequently it should be coming up. This passage also talks about things like tying them as symbols on our hands and our foreheads and writing them on their door frames. Do we need to do that literally? I'll let you decide that. You can kind of pray about that with God. But what I take from that is that we need to have tangible reminders of scriptures in our daily lives. So, for example, I have a whiteboard in my office that I kind of use as my prayer board, and sometimes I write pieces of scripture on that. 
I've seen other people have scripture on their mirror in their bathroom so that as they're getting ready in the morning, they're kind of seeing this, uh, these Bible verses that they have that God speaks over them. There's a lot of different ways that you can do that, but I just want to encourage you to really immerse yourselves in scripture on a daily basis, not just you, but also with your families. And another thought that I found was interesting in what she talked about is when adults are talking with children about um, scripture, it can kind of feel like we're dumbing things down um, to make it more understandable for younger audiences. But this is also something that's a really helpful spiritual discipline as well. And I've also experienced this personally in circumstances where I'm communicating with someone where they don't know a lot of English. Um, I have to sometimes simplify what I'm saying. And so Jan Johnson writes that talking about God to a child can help adults simplify difficult concepts such as omnipotence and atonement and focus on basic but central truths like God loves you, God wants you to love and obey. This thinking process helps parents as well as children. So even when we're simplifying things and trying to make it easier, sometimes that reinforces things that we as adults or people who have been in the Christian faith for a long time sometimes gloss over. It helps us really reinforce those beliefs for ourselves and is a really powerful thing. So very important in our homes to be constantly immersed in Scripture. The next portion that she talks about as regards to uh, study and meditation is reading and responding to scripture. She says, the word that often describes how we approach God's word is compartmentalized. We read it, which is a physical act only. We study and interpret it, which is intellectual only. We sing it, like in worship. We apply it, facing our will only. But the elements of processing scripture, reading it, studying it, meditating on it, waiting in it, worshiping God, delighting in God, praying it back to God, are all of one piece. For the Israelites, the reading of the law was not a one-mode-only activity. They put all of themselves into it, and they responded with all of themselves. They absorbed it. So the biblical example that she gives us comes from Nehemiah 8 and part of 9. Um, And I'm not going to read that because it's a fairly lengthy passage, but I highly encourage you to look at it. And in this passage, the Israelites have, or some of the Israelites have returned to Jerusalem after it had been invaded and largely destroyed. Nehemiah is leading a group of people to rebuild Israel. And in this time of exile, of being away from Jerusalem, they've forgotten a lot about what the Word said. They had left a lot of the worship practices that their ancestors had practiced. In essence, they had forgotten a lot of what God's Word was, in part because most of them would not have been literate or have had access to the scrolls that it was written on. This is a very oral culture that would not have, um, if you don't keep repeating it orally, it's really hard to maintain knowledge of God's word. So in this passage, they rediscover God's word. And one of the prophets, Ezra, he reads God's word aloud to a large group of 
Israelites, of Jews, and they respond in powerful ways to God's word. They weep over it. They recommit themselves in written agreements to say, I'm going to follow God's word. They confessed their sin. They worshiped God. It turned into a multi-day event of re-understanding what God's word says and then responding in a variety of ways. They started reenacting God's word that day and continued to do so for some time after that. So it's a really important thing that we not just read what God's word is, but that we also respond to it. When God's word tells us to do something, we go do it. When God's word asks a question of it of us, we respond in dialogue with God. We worship God. So it's an important thing to be responding to God's word when we understand what it says. The next piece that uh, Jan Johnson goes to is comprehending God's truth. And she phrases it this way. She says that the purpose of studying the Bible is to get it. So again, this is the study piece, not the meditation piece. The purpose of studying the Bible is to get it. So genuine study occurs in many ways. And so one common method is to ask questions about the text such as these. And she lists off three questions that can help you in understanding the text. So the first is gathering basic facts. What does the passage say? Who is speaking and who is being spoken to? Based on the historical background, what did the author intend for it to say? So just gather those basic facts and get that down. Then the second thing is to understand the text. So that involves what does this passage say about what God is like? What does it say about human nature? What does it say about how God relates to people? The third piece then is applying the text. What does the passage suggest about how I might pray? What does it suggest about how I might act? So here, once we have an understanding of who is speaking, getting the facts together, and then understanding what this says about God, we can start to apply it in our lives. Now again, this is just one method of study. There are lots of methods of study. Some people have commentaries and um, study Bibles that give additional information about the historic context and background. Um, sometimes there are picture Bibles that have illustrations of the temple or the kind of landscape that would have been around at the time of that passage. These are all resources that are very helpful. And so if you have more questions about what are some good resources that you can use to help study the Bible, let me know. I'm happy to help with that. The next um, few pieces that she goes into help us move into meditation on God's word. And so the first part of that is simply meditation and obedience. And so a little bit of what she writes about that is that one of the ways we connect with God is through scripture. But merely reading scripture or even studying scripture is not enough. The connection is extended and made stronger as we meditate on Scripture. She then says, When Scripture talks about meditation, 
if often mentions obedience in the next breath. And she writes an example from Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then she closes off the thought with the one who meditates become one who obeys. So the more we think about scripture, the more we are to follow God's scripture, which isn't about just following a bunch of rules, but it's about loving God and loving others. So when we meditate on scripture, we become a more loving people. The biblical example that she gives of this is found in Psalm 119, which is a really incredible psalm. I recently read through that kind of slowly on like eight verses a day. Um, it was a really great study to do. I highly recommend it. Um, but we're, we'll just look at a few of those verses. It's quite a long psalm. It gets up into like, I think, 176 verses. It's very long, but very good. And it's all about God's Word. It's about reading God's Word, being challenged by God's Word, letting God's Word sustain us. And so part of that is um, here in verses 97 through 104, again, in Psalm 119. And I'm just going to read this for you. It kind of speaks for itself. It's really beautifully written. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. So this is just simply a beautiful explanation of what happens when we meditate on God's word. It gives us life, it gives us understanding and wisdom, and helps keep us away from evil paths. It's pretty straightforward. So again, I cannot recommend enough that you take a deeper dive into Psalm 119. It's really helpful for understanding how vital God's word is in our lives. So then the last two sections that she goes into are simply talking about a couple of ways of meditating on God's word. Um, and again, this meditation sometimes after, happens after we spend some time in study. Or perhaps we've studied God's Word a lot, and so now it's time to go back and meditate on it. So one classic, she writes this, one classic method of entering into a scripture text is called Lectio Divina, which is Latin for divine reading. So it includes reading a scripture passage out loud, meditating on it, praying about it, and contemplating God in it. So as the Bible passage is read, we wait for a word to resonate or shimmer. Then we meditate on that word or phrase to hear what God might have to say to us. After praying about what this means, we rest in quiet contemplation before God. So here in this passage, this is or this with this method, Lectio Divina, 
This is something you can do individually on your own or with a group of people. You can have one person read it aloud, and then as you listen or as you read it for yourself, you kind of pay attention for that one word or that one idea or phrase that really grabs your attention. And once you have that one word or phrase, you just meditate about that. Just spend a moment thinking about what that means to you. What is God trying to say to you with that? And then you just spend some time in quiet contemplation. Now, this is a method that can also go really well along with journaling. So I kind of use a hybrid of journaling and this Lectio Divina when I spend time in Scripture for myself. So as I'm reading Scripture, if I see a phrase or a word that really stands out to me, I'll just journal some thoughts and say, oh, this is what's really standing out to me about this particular passage. She also writes um, that the key in Lectio Divina is to be open to hear God afresh in Scripture. That means setting aside previous ideas of how this passage applies to us. With unfamiliar passages, it may help to do a short preliminary study to understand historical background and individual words so that we can open ourselves to hear anew from God. If we are truly open, God usually communicates surprising things we could never have made up ourselves. So again, that's just kind of an overview of Lectio Divina. This is something great that you can do on your own to meditate on God's Word, or again, it's something that you can do with other people. Another suggestion that she has as a method for getting into Scripture is entering, is something that she calls entering a gospel scene. And it's something that you can do particularly in the Gospels, but it's also applicable for a variety of the narrative portions of Scripture. And so she writes this about what that can be. Another common method of meditating on Scripture is to use the imagination and enter the biblical scene as an observer, a fly on the wall, or a bystander in the crowd. This common method is explained well in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola which urges participants to make use of the five senses. So we imagine what we would see, hear, touch, taste, or smell if we had been present in the biblical scenes. As we hear the dialogue of the text, we need to let God speak to us, asking us questions, challenging us, or comforting us. The imagination-oriented method is word-centered. The exact words of Scripture coach your imagination. Like Lectio Divina, certain words or phrases stand out. But in this method, we imagine hearing these words or saying them ourselves. So here, if you were reading a gospel story, you would maybe picture, okay, if I were in the crowd watching Jesus perform a miracle, what might I hear? Would I hear whispers in the crowd? Would I be smelling the other people in the crowd? Would I be smelling maybe the breeze and the flowers that are in the air and stuff like that? Um, What would I be seeing? Would I be seeing a big crowd, a small crowd? Um, What would I be touching? What would I be tasting? The tasting is really an interesting idea when you think of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. What did that food taste like? So just really use your senses and use your imagination to put yourself 
into a scene in the Bible, no matter where in the Bible it is. It refers to gospel scenes, but you can do this with the creation accounts, with the Noah stories, with Paul's later letters, anything you want. You can put yourself in a gospel scene, and that can help you meditate upon God's Word. So those were two examples that John, uh, Jan Johnson writes about in her book, There are many, many more ways of studying the Bible and meditating on the Bible. So you may do things completely differently, and if that works for you, great, keep it up. However, these two may be two different ideas that help you maybe start a new practice of getting into the Word, or if you feel like the way that you've been reading God's Word has gotten repetitive or maybe a bit stale, maybe these are two ideas that can help you freshen things up. So... If you have any other questions or any ideas of how you read the Word, um, please let me know. Like I said earlier, my email address is in the description of the episode. Well, as always, I'm very thankful that you would take any time to spend with us today, either watching or listening, and I hope you stay tuned because we're going to be continuing in this book with more spiritual disciplines. Until then, have a wonderful and blessed day.